Welcome to the Houston Strength Podcast. Let's uncover your strength. What's going on, guys? This is Jordan with Houston Strength. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry for the delay on the episode, but we've got a great topic today. We're going to be talking about recovery. So recovery is huge. It's the body's process of restoring homeostasis. I think it's important to expand upon what homeostasis is. So it's a state of balance within the body that occurs when variables in a system are regulated to keep the internal condition stable and relatively constant. So if we can't adapt, we will perish. That is the survival of the fittest principle, and your recovery is very important to become the fittest version of yourself. So when we're talking about recovery, we have three main types of recovery. So immediate recovery is what happens in between successive efforts such as reps within a bench press set. Uh, This is not a huge thing to consider, but at the the very bare minimum, you want to work on regulating your breathing. That's going to help with your immediate recovery. So understanding how to get your breath to help you with your bracing will improve your strength and your endurance immediately. Next is short-term recovery. So this is what happens between sets. So this is in between our sets of bench press, or if you were to run a sprint, the short-term recovery in between there. And that's where paying attention to the effort and giving yourself sufficient rest to recover for that next set. Very important, definitely a variable that should be tracked if you are not tracking it. And it's also something to pay attention to if you are giving those max efforts to make sure you have sufficient time because you can't give a 95% effort, rest 20 seconds, and then give a 95% effort Again, this is where short-term recovery definitely comes into play. Lastly is training recovery. So this is what happens between workouts or competition. Training recovery should be the biggest focus when you're considering recovery because it offers the greatest potential benefit. The stresses we endure and the schedule outside of our training sessions can limit our training recovery. We should take that into account when planning our recovery measures. So next, we're going to bridge into monitoring recovery. With new technology, we can now monitor things that can validate the recovery process and help us to improve upon it. So big things to think about are your resting heart rate, your breathing patterns, sleep, and more. And there's a lot of great trackers out there. I know a lot of people love the Apple Watch. I actually have a mat that goes under my mattress that will track my sleeping so I don't have to wear anything. You can get a simple heart rate monitor, which I default to for my cardio sessions and a lot of times when I'm lifting, but definitely start paying attention to it. That way, we're not only looking at your performance, but how your health and your fitness level is improving with your workouts. There's a lot of cool stuff out there to help you measure it, and if we can measure it, we can improve it. Next, I want to talk briefly about active recovery. So active recovery is when we're using movement 
to accelerate the removal of lactate and hydrogen from the muscles. So we're trying to flush everything and stimulate blood flow to the muscle tissue. Studies have shown that active recovery after intense exercise can result in a faster return to homeostasis, going back to the beginning, bringing ourselves back to that baseline of balance. And this is compared to passive recovery methods uh, without any movement. So a great example of this is taking walks in between your sessions in the gym, lifting weights or for competition, or if you're performing some type of sport. You want to, in between those efforts, make sure you're doing something active, but it's not quite your competition or what you do, just to get the blood flowing, help yourself recover. Next, and something that's very popular is massage. Researchers have questioned the value and have even found that more damage can be done if it's done too aggressively or too close to the exercise session. And especially if there's trauma, you don't want to go right into massaging. You got to let it, let it relax a bit. But massage is better than doing nothing at all. There's very few reports that demonstrate positive effects on performance with massage. I personally am a big fan of the percussion massagers, the Hypervolt. We use them a lot in the gym, and I've got one at home as well. There's other methods of self-massage, self-myofascial release. I think the foam roller is excellent. And just making sure the tight muscle and soft tissue are making it more pliable and letting it be in a position where it can be stretched and not put in that vulnerable position where we can potentially tear something. Next... I want to speak on compression. Now, compression is delivered via clothing or through inflatable devices, sleeves. Uh, the Normatec sleeves we have at the gym, I love them. I think they're great. It's not available to everybody. But even a compression sleeve that you can get at Academy, if you're having some aches and pains, feel like you need to get some blood flow, it definitely helps. Research is minimal on the effects of compression, but there does seem to be recovery benefits and even more importantly, there's not any harmful side effects found with compression. And let's get into sleep, arguably the most important part. There's two vital data points for measuring sleep. So our basal sleep, that's our baseline, which is the amount the body needs every night to recover from the stressors of the day. And then the second data point we like to look at is sleep debt. So this accumulates if we don't get our basal sleep every night. We need to pay attention to that. And if we know we've gone a few days in a row with minimal sleep, we probably should not be maxing out in the gym. We're putting ourselves in a vulnerable position. It's very important to get on a regular schedule with sleep if your job and responsibilities permit it. I struggle with this myself, but at the very least, I try to keep some windows of when I'm going to bed and then when I'll wake up. I think it's important to log your sleep. And like I talked about earlier in the podcast, there's a lot of great ways you can track your sleep to have some measurables. Pay attention to the stressors in your life and how they impact your sleep. I think we should shoot for six to eight hours. I, I do fine with six myself. I think eight is definitely optimal for most. But this is something that's very individualist. You don't, there's not a cookie cutter number for hours of sleep for everyone. You've got to see how you feel on different amounts of sleep. 
and probably stick with where you feel best. And now when we're talking about recovery, a big concern is overtraining. And I always will say I don't really believe in overtraining, but under recovering. So if you've got everything going that we've talked about earlier in this podcast and you're training hard and you're still just burnt out or you're getting hurt, you may be overtraining. But overtraining happens when complete exhaustion has been reached in the body and we keep pushing. And I'm all for training to fatigue from time to time. I don't think that's a great approach to only train to fatigue, but overtraining typically will happen when training to fatigue is done repetitively for extended periods of time. An elevated resting heart rate and decreased exercise performance over a week or more are signals that we are overtraining. Listen to your body, and if you're not hitting the numbers you used to hit, if you're not hitting the times you used to hit in the gym or on the field, you're probably a little burnt out. You may have been overtraining. Pay attention to your recovery. And there's a few different approaches to addressing overtraining. So we want to examine what's going on and explore the best method of approach and then hit it. So number one, we can deload. So we'll reduce the load, the volume and or the rate of exercise. And we'll do this for one to two weeks. And this is going 70% or below what led you to that state of overtraining. We can offload. This is where we stop activity altogether or we can redirect. So we'll cross train at a lower volume or load and avoid the stimuluses that brought on those feelings of burnout. I talked about it earlier, but I want to circle back to monitoring. So I want to talk about monitoring heart rate. I think this is probably the most important thing for everybody to pay attention to. You ideally want to check it in the morning, a fitness tracker or manually check it pay attention to your heart rate and your heart rate variability and just make sure you're in good health generally. If you liked what you heard, please visit our website for a free week of online programming via Train Heroic. And thank you for listening. We will be back very soon. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to catch the next episode of the Houston Strength Podcast and uncover your strength.